0: This podcast is brought to you by Conquer Cancer, the ASCO Foundation. Our mission is to accelerate breakthroughs in life saving cancer research and empower people everywhere to conquer cancer. You can help by donating at conquer.org forward slash podcast. Welcome to Your Stories, a podcast where we hear candid stories from people conquering cancer. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Lewis. Today, you get to hear a survivor's story. And you get to hear from someone who is working every day to help others survive cancer. Dr. Natalie McKenzie is an award-winning physician, an innovative surgeon, and a healer who shares her passion with patients around the world. Dr. McKenzie is a Conquer Cancer researcher. Dr. McKenzie, I'm thrilled that listeners will get to meet you and to discover the types of doctors that Conquer Cancer funds to help Conquer Cancer for patients everywhere. Thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you specialize in gynecologic cancers, and gynecologic oncology is a really fascinating subspecialty of oncology. So I was wondering if you could tell our listeners about what you do.
1: Absolutely. We are surgeons in our primary capacity, but we also administer chemotherapy, including targeted and biologic agents, we really take care of women from the beginning of diagnosis. Sometimes we aid in making the diagnosis towards really the end of their cancer journey. We care for women with cervical cancer, ovarian cancer, uterine cancer, some pelvic sarcomas, as well as some precancerous conditions.
0: Now, one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is you have actually received funding from um, Conquer Cancer, and we wanted to know how that shaped your research and the care that you're able to deliver to your patients.
1: I was funded to initiate a phase one clinical trial to repurpose an old drug for cancer use, and there was certainly enough preliminary data that justified its use in for cancer and for HPV-related cancers. So it made perfect sense to explore this drug for an HPV cervical, uh, an HPV related cancer, such as cervical cancer, and the front line in addition to chemo radiation. But first you have to do the phase one to make sure it's safe. And so I was really fortunate to have received funding from Conquer Cancer for this phase one project.
0: Wow, oh, that's from the notion of sort of repurposing. A drug and, and thinking about how we can apply it to a different context. Well done. So how does donor supported research, how does that help patients?
1: Donor supported funding and support helps patients by allowing investigators both young and seasoned that bring fresh ideas, novel ideas to the table that In essence, saves lives and does so by bringing new treatment options for patients that either extend life um, or help with prolonged remissions.
0: That's really well said. And I think one thing the listeners might benefit from knowing is just how difficult it can be for researchers, even with wonderful ideas, to get the funding they need to implement these studies. You know, the the climate where we for grants typically has a very low success rate per application. So every dollar helps. And it's wonderful actually to see donors and philanthropy driving further breakthroughs. So in the last year in particular, ASCO has really made equity and emphasis really a clear part of the organization's mission. And you strike me as someone that has a passion for making care affordable for everyone. And I know you really have a a truly global perspective there. Do you mind telling us about that?
1: Certainly. I do have a passion for equity and global care. We can think about even the repurposing of a drug that's now in generic form as a strive towards equity, affordable cancer drugs. So that's one point. But my care and my passion for uh, equity goes far beyond looking at drugs, it also involves surgical missions. I recently developed a strong relationship with Innovating Health International, based out of Haiti, yeah. that cares for women with cervical cancer and breast cancer. And I help them with their cervical cancer patients by performing pro bono radical hysterectomies every quarter. We are on pause during these difficult COVID times but I hope to resume in the very near future.
0: It must be particularly rewarding for you to be able to provide you know service in in frankly an underserved area.
1: Absolutely it's a different reward to be able to impact the life of a woman in an underserved country whereby you know that her immediate family, as well as her entire community, will benefit from that one life saved.
0: That's really incredible. When I was reading your background, I understand is it true you speak four languages?
1: It is. Uh- <laughs> I, I've learned to speak Haitian Creole. I speak French, of course, English, and I'm pretty good with my Spanish. Wow. It's a little bit more than just medical Spanish at this point. My patients often compliment me, but I I still have uh, ways to go to, to doing a better
0: job. Kudos to you. I speak English. I speak borderline usable medical Spanish no conversational Spanish, and I'm originally from Scotland, and so I, I know a tiny bit of Gaelic. I could get by in a pub, but no no farther than that. So, Excellent. again, kudos, kudos to you, because, again, I think that speaks to, you know, sort of the, the global perspective that you have, which is, which is truly valuable. So, you know, the care that you provide doesn't just save lives. You know, it really preserves quality of life for your patients, uh, to have families, and then, You know, I hope that you eventually get the opportunity to witness even indirectly those those families growing. This podcast is going to come out in the holiday season. And so I was curious, what do you think is a gift or maybe the greatest gift that you're able to give to patients? Time.
1: Time is the greatest gift for us all. So Whether you're a physician, a patient, a caregiver, time is precious And I teach this in the cancer survivor program that I created for GYN oncology patients. It's called HEAL, but it's a healthy uh, eating and active lifestyle. But in the program, I talk about mindset and I talk about cherishing the moment because the past is gone, the future is unknown, but the moment is what we have. And even for my patients who necessarily aren't doing that well in their journey, I I task them to really practice mindfulness. And I have one patient who currently is sending me pictures every week. She sends me a picture of something meaningful in her life so that she can begin to document the time that she's spending in a meaningful way.
0: Wow. That's a gift back to you, I would imagine.
1: It absolutely is.
0: I think you're absolutely right. The time is the greatest gift. If you don't mind, we're going to shift gears slightly, and you and I actually have something in common is that we've both had cancer ourselves. If it's not too personal or intrusive, I'd I'd like to ask you about your experience. My own was I had a Whipple procedure four years ago for a cancer in the head of my pancreas, a neuroendocrine tumor. And then as I was preparing to meet you this way, um, I learned, uh, I think a very important detail in your biography is your survival of, of breast cancer. So Again, I, I hope I'm not prying too much. Do you mind talking about that experience and then how that's informed your practice?
1: First, thank you for sharing with me. I think that all of us uh, survivors have a certainly unique perspective on the, the journey itself. And I'm, I'm so happy that you're here with us four years later. I'd be happy to share about my breast cancer journey. I was a second year OBGYN resident. Mm. And I probably ignored temporarily a lump that I felt just because I felt 30 year olds aren't supposed to have anything bad and whatever it was, was probably benign. But uh, thankfully I had a nagging mom who told me that all (laughs) lumps need to be checked out, even if I am a doctor and even (sighs) if I think it's benign and kudos to mom. (laughs) So I was diagnosed with stage two triple negative breast cancer uh, at age 30, 10 days shy of my 31st birthday. I, in fact, spent my 31st birthday getting a PET scan. But bilateral mastectomies later, chemotherapy later, I have been able to enjoy 17 years of cancer survivorship.
0: Thank you for sharing that. We are absolutely thrilled that you're enjoying good health 17 years later. And again, what a strong, hard-won sense of empathy you have for the patients under your care. Natalie, what do you think are the greatest unmet needs in cancer care?
1: I think some of the greatest unmet needs in cancer care are both focusing on the quality of life of patient after cancer treatment. I think we can do a better job there. I think we can continue to strive for new cancer drugs that continue to compound on lives lived and saved because let's face it, sometimes we develop resistance to an older drug, we progress on another drug. And if there's another targetable opportunity out there, we can compound on those lives saved or months lived. But in addition... I think we can also work on uh, the affordability of drugs in many ways and in a way that pharmaceutical companies can continue to be innovative and continue to have the incentive to be innovative while managing costs for patients.
0: Well said. There's there's some happy median there to continue to incentivize innovation but also make sure that the treatments are affordable because Um, the best drug in the world is no use to the patient if it's uh, financially toxic for them to receive it. So very well said. Can I ask, did you get any sense when you were going through your cancer experience, how research had informed or shaped the care that you received as a patient?
1: Absolutely. I remember sitting down with my medical oncologist and talking about different cancer treatments. And there was the landscape was changing when I was diagnosed. And there was former protocol that was still being used. And there was a new study that had recently been published that was changing the way things were being done. And I had the opportunity to weigh the pros and cons of two different protocols. And I chose the more recent uh, newly published protocol at the time. And so research had a direct impact. And I it was palpable. It was something that was tangible for me because wow. I actually saw practice changing. Yes. Similarly, when it came down to choosing whether I was going to have mastectomy versus lumpectomy and radiation, I personally chose to have a mastectomy, but again, I understood very well that research played a role in the options being offered to me.
0: It almost sounds too obvious to state, but you know, the only way we make progress, sort of you know, plain blind luck, is through this research. That's the way that we move the field forward. And it sounds like you were very, very aware and like me I have a bicameral mind. You're both a patient and an oncologist that you know research is the is the engine of progress. And I think we have to get away from the notion that all research involves making our patients guinea pigs or that a clinical trial is you know only ever someone's last option. In fact, for many young adults, as you know, especially in the, the younger end of the AYA spectrum, you know, clinical trials often their best first option. So thank you for sharing that. And I think, again, for the listeners to this podcast, it's important for them to hear your perspective. Again, this uh, podcast is going to be released, Natalie, around the holiday season. If you could give other patients and survivors a gift this holiday, what would it be?
1: If I could give patients and survivors a gift this holiday, it would be education about mindset. About enjoying and how to better enjoy life, and finding purpose and meaning in life, and I think these are things that all of us can enjoy, regardless of where we are. And when we think about every patient, every cancer, everywhere, practicing mindfulness, meaning, and purpose in life are are things that anybody anywhere can enjoy.
0: Excellent and, and profound advice. Do you have a message you'd like to share with our donors?
1: For our donors, first, I'd like to thank you for considering the gift of giving. You are impacting the lives of your patients. You are impacting the lives of the people they care for, whether they're aging parents or our children. And more than likely, you're impacting an entire community because very often, us cancer survivors go on to serve as ambassadors for others with chronic disease or ailments, and very rarely uh, do we live in a vacuum in a bubble, you are impacting the lives of communities by this one life that you may save.
0: Yeah, I think you're someone clearly, Natalie, that understands sort of the connectivity that we experience as as human beings. And it's incredible to see the ripple effect that actions have across you know the country and across the world as, as you enact. So Natalie, it's been Absolutely a joy to talk to you and get to know you a little bit. As we were saying before we started recording, oncology is a very nice, close-knit community, and you and I already know some of the same people, but to meet you in person has been a real thrill. There's one parting question we ask all our guests on this podcast, and it is, how are you conquering cancer?
1: I'm conquering cancer by saving lives every day through surgery, medical treatments, through cancer research, and through creating cancer survivor programs that impact the quality of life of women everywhere.
0: That's really inspiring. We appreciate your willingness also to open up about your own experience. Uh, Again, please pass on our gratitude to your mother for her strong uh, clinical acumen. But more importantly, we're just really grateful and happy that you have been able to get through your own cancer and then clearly give back to the oncology community with your wonderful work and I mean, you have many, many wonderful uh, years, uh, both a productive professional life and a joyful personal life ahead of you.
1: Thank you. And I wish you the same.
0: Thank you. Yeah, we're in the club that we never wanted to join, but actually, I think it's a pretty privileged club when we get to enjoy this prolonged survivorship together. So thank you.
1: Indeed. Thank you.
0: And thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Conquer Cancer, the ASCO Foundation. Conquer Cancer is creating a world where cancer is prevented or cured, and every survivor is healthy. You can help by making a donation now at conquer.org forward slash podcast. Participants of this podcast report no conflicts of interest relevant to this podcast. Full disclosures can be found on the episode page at conquer.org.
1: The purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. This is not a substitute for professional medical care and is not intended for use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy should not be construed as an ASCO endorsement.